Hi guys and welcome to season two, episode three of Business Shit. I am your host, Mimi G, and today's topic is all about starting an indie fashion brand and an interview with Mary Alice Duff of Alice Alexander. I'm so excited because you guys know that I'm in Philly and I'm in I'm here. Part of the reason is because we are doing a special project with Mary Alice mm -hmm. that um, we haven't completely talked about yet, but we started a production company called 26 Artists, which you guys will be hearing about a lot so uh, soon, or very soon, I should say. And Mary Alice is one of the talents that we have. <laughs> so thank you for being here and doing this part. Absolutely, my We've pleasure. We've been working you nonstop for like three days. All good. You feed me. I'm That's like, all that matters. On top of that, I need a podcast interview, okay? So if you guys are watching us on YouTube, I'm standing really tall because Mary Alice is tall. And I look really small next to her. So I'm like trying to project my body. Um, so we're going to ask Mary Alice some questions because what you have done has been so awesome awesome Thank and you. I've been watching it okay. <laughs> and and so I thought it would be really interesting mm -hmm. specifically because we have this project coming mm -hmm. out pretty soon in March um, I thought it would be a really great way for people to sort mm -hmm. of get to know you if they don't already know who you are and what okay. you're doing so we're gonna start with a couple questions cool so one of the first questions is you know when I met you you were a DIY blogger mm -hmm. so what were you doing before that? Okay. Why did you start the blog? And yeah. then we're going to talk about how that went to this. Yeah, sure. So uh, before I was a blogger, um, I worked in the nonprofit sector. I was a social worker, and I managed a whole bunch of programs for a whole lot of people, all of which were experiencing poverty, homelessness, all that. And um, it wasn't the most creative job. Uh, although fulfilling, it lacked all creativity. Uh, meanwhile, I got married, had a baby, gained weight, and suddenly I couldn't find a wool pencil skirt and had just gotten so frustrated that I figured, why don't I just start sewing my own clothes? <laughs> and I stumbled upon you on Pinterest, and I was like, look, she's cool, she sews, and started finding all these other women all over the world, all different sizes, sewing their own clothes. And so got to work, started creating a whole wardrobe of clothes that I had made, um, and then started a blog documenting that journey. Um, and then uh, realizing while I was blogging, the response I was getting, realizing that I wasn't the only woman who was experiencing this issue and that not every woman is gonna take up sewing um, as right. a way to fix their wardrobe problem. So right. I had done all this research, realized there was a huge gap in the market for size inclusive, ethical and sustainable clothing and decided to launch my own company. So leading to that, <laughs> that leads into my next question. So when you realized that there was a need, mm -hmm. How did your brain go from, hey, I'm going to be a designer? Like, has that always sort of been in the back of your mind? No, or? no. I mean, I've always been that person that, like, when I was younger and my girlfriends and I were all in college, they would text me pictures of their outfits and say, like, is this cute? And I'd be like, girl, take that off. Right. Right? You're not. You're not no. Good. That does not get my approval. And so that was always, I was always the person my girlfriends turned to for style advice, my sister's. But I had never considered fashion design. Like, I went to school for psychology and then did a master's in social work. And frankly, I didn't know any designers. Right. Um, I also grew up in, like, a really blue-collar household. And so, like, designer clothing wasn't a thing. <laughs> right. Um, like, you go to TJ Maxx and you get as much as you can and you stuff it in that bag, you know? And so it just never even occurred to me. I didn't know who any fashion designers. I didn't even know any entrepreneurs. Um, but I had always had an affinity for clothing, style, mixing silhouettes and colors. And mm -hmm. I was never somebody who would say, I can't pull that off. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, I can pull that off. Um, 
And so, yeah, the, the sewing, starting with the sewing, really just opened up Pandora's box. Like, wow, I really am a creative. I didn't right. know that I had that in me, you okay. know? And I think um, what I learned was that creativity is a muscle, and the more you work it out, the better it gets. And I think everybody has a little bit of creativity in them. You know, you mm -hmm. just need to work it out. So, no, I did not think I was going to be a designer. <laughs> that is like, the, it couldn't be more further afield um, than how I went from social work to, to this. So for me, it's really interesting because it's not like you just decided that you're going to be a designer and mm -hmm. then you just started making clothing. Like yeah. you went from like, I'm a DIY blogger, so I have this fantastic idea, mm -hmm. to having like a fully flushed <laughs> out, serious point of view. You, yeah. It was no bullshit here. Yeah. It wasn't like, hey, I'm making pretty clothes. No. Here, buy it. No, no, so, no, no. So, you know, it's a mouthful, right? It's all inclusive, mm -hmm. ethically and sustainably and yeah, yeah, yeah. all that you stuff. You got it. Okay. Yeah. What does that mean to you? Right. Where, where, like, why was that important? Right. Where did that come from? Right. So, as I mentioned, I was a social worker, really passionate about social justice issues, very vocal politically. And um, when I started researching about garment making and realized what was happening in the fashion industry, how women around the world are treated, uh, the majority of garment workers are young women between the ages of 18 and 35. Majority of garment workers are women of color. And it just felt like, wait a minute. I'm over here, like, fighting for people experiencing poverty, and then meanwhile, like, buying a bunch of crap from H&M that's made by women paid terrible wages. Got it. And so for me, it became really clear that I could combine all the things I was passionate about, so my social justice work with this new creative person that I was discovering, and just being, like, a data junkie and a nerd, um, it allowed me to create all these things I was really excited about. Got it. Yeah. So tell me about... Alice Alexander, mm -hmm. and how you run that day-to-day -day business. Yeah. <laughs> um, so how I run that day-to-day -day business. So I'm a mom. Um, that's part of my job, too. <laughs> so, you know, we get up every morning. I take my daughter to school, get my husband out the door for work. And I'm in here in my studio, and we're reviewing orders, what stuff has come in. We're assigning orders to the team. Um, and then I'm always thinking about marketing. Like, how can we get more people aware of our brand? How can we make sure that our current customers are pleased and satisfied? Um, so yeah, the day really progresses from monitor the orders, doing marketing strategies like email marketing, posting on Instagram. We have a really engaged Instagram community, constantly answering DMs from folks, um, chiming in on Instagram posts, people <laughs> looking for like ethical fashion that's size inclusive. I'm always like, me, me, check us out. Um, yeah, and then I do all the packing and shipping still. I'm hoping to get that off my plate super soon. <laughs> um, and a, I get a little design work in. I mean, it's part of being the owner is there's so much work to be done and it's not all glamorous and it's right. not all fun. Um, you know, it's a lot of keeping the lights on, you know, making mm -hmm. sure that the place is tidy, making sure my folks get paid, making sure orders are coming in, making sure we're doing sales, we're hitting our goals. And then I do a lot of like the big picture strategic thinking. So um, our long-term goal is to open a factory. You know, I want to create 100 manufacturing jobs and then 1,000 and then 10,000. Um, and in order to do that, you always have to be thinking 5, 10, 15, 20 steps ahead. Um, so as we went over what we yeah. were talking about today, <laughs> working on a formal business plan, figuring out our next investment strategy so that we can really grow. So I don't think people realize, um, well, one, that everything is done here in the studio. Yep. That's where we are now, which is a much better look than the Ikea couch I usually do business <laughs> shit from. <laughs> uh, but also that 
you've done a whole lot in a very short amount of yeah. time. I mean, you have how many employees at this point? I have three. You have three employees, mm-hmm. and this is what, year two? Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. Like, that's Thank really you. incredible. So my hat's off to you. Thank you. Um, which leads me to wonder, um, and we talked about all of this in this project mm-hmm. that that uh, we're creating. It's a, a cool, a really cool and comprehensive course mm-hmm. on starting an indie fashion brand from idea mm-hmm. to launch date mm-hmm. and then how to get through that first year of mm-hmm. business, which is really hard. Yes. So what was that first year of business like for you? <laughs> Awful. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, I think the first year of business was the hardest thing I ever did in my life. I mean, I was in labor for 36 hours and this was harder. <laughs> I mean, it was, it tests you emotionally, physically, financially. It, it's just everything about it is just so damn hard. And um, so the first, the first six months were awful. Couldn't figure out how to make a sale. Couldn't find our community. Mm-hmm. And then when we found them, we launched an Indiegogo campaign and we found all these customers. And then it kind of just grew from there all organically. Um, you know, when I look at the year of business, the first six months were just terrible crickets. And then all of a sudden the business started happening six months in. Right. And then that also was so challenging, right? Because like, as you grow, you need more stuff. Mm-hmm. You grow, you need another machine. You need to hire a new person. You need more fabric. And all mm-hmm. these things cost money. So it's like you're constantly chasing your tail, it feels like. Sales come in. Money goes out to buy the new machine, buy more fabric. And it's like you feel like you can never catch up, right? Right. Um, and then thinking five steps ahead, you know, how do we scale this? What does it look like in a year, two years, five years? So the first year was excruciating. It was also exhilarating. Yeah. Um, it was also like a high every time we got a sale, <laughs> every time we met a new customer, every time somebody wrote us a comment or a review saying this is the best thing they'd ever bought mm-hmm. or saying things like, you guys are amazing. I finally have clothes that fit my body. Oh, just, that's great. Like <laughs> one person even said, I opened my box and it just feels like love. Like oh. I put the clothes on and they feel like they were made with such love and attention. And it's just like, oh, it doesn't get better than that. So excruciating, but also exhilarating exhilarating, phenomenal, amazing, but like not without so much pain and so much hardship. Well, you know, we talk about that a lot on business Mm -hmm. shit. We talk about how difficult things really are and that the perception that people get from following social media Mm -hmm. is that you woke up one day and then all of a sudden you had this cool ass brand and you're like swimming in the dollars. Oh God, no. And there's a lot of work that goes beyond that. So if you could, if you could go back Mm-hmm. Right to before you launched, mm-hmm. what what's the one thing you would have done differently? I would have asked for help sooner. Mm. Yeah, I think that when I launched, and even like leading up to our launch, you know, I always say you don't know what you don't know. I didn't know shit. Right. So I like <laughs> didn't know anything. Right. But I thought I knew everything. Right. And so I had no idea how hard it was going to be. I thought like parlaying the DIY blogging, I had built this audience that they would become customers and they didn't. Right. And so then I was actually starting from zero. I thought I was starting from something. I was starting from zero. Right. And so I think what I would have done differently was asked for help sooner and put my pride to the side and said, like, I really don't know marketing. Can somebody help me with this? Right. I need somebody to look at these financials, those sorts of things. Um, it wasn't until I got so deep into it that I started asking for help, and every single person I ask says yes. Yes, and then that's helps fantastic. Me. <laughs> 
Ask for help. Ask for help Absolutely. when you need it. Don't wait until, you know, it's too late. Like, ask for help. That was a really good point that you mm-hmm. made about, you know, you thought you had this DIY audience yeah. and that they would convert yep. into customers. Yep. And I think a lot of people, I think, assume that, yes. right? But yes. it's a completely different beast. DIYers want to DIY. Yep. They don't want to buy. Yep. Um, you know, Not all the time. Yep. And so, um, you know, would you have spent more time sort of building a different yes. audience before launch day? Absolutely. And I, I'll also say, like, our brand wasn't a solidified on launch day. And I always tell this to people who are starting a brand and they want to, you know, sign up and have, you know, this whole, they want to pay a branding agency to do all this work. And it's like, just get into it first and kind of see how your company evolves because we didn't, we didn't come from the sustainable and ethical angle when we launched. And we also were exclusively plus size when we launched. And we also, the vibe was different. It was like more luxury, but not luxury. Just like the clothing was impractical. I think it's the best way to describe it. Um, And I think that, yeah, I just, we didn't really know what we were doing when we launched. And I say we, it was really me. Um, I didn't really know what I was doing when we launched. Um, But yeah, I would have spent more time cultivating an audience that could be converted into customers. Now, we did have a couple people who followed me from that DIY path, and they've been... If they weren't customers, we had a couple people come into customers, but they supported our Indiegogo campaign with a donation. Right. Or they supported our Kiva loan with a donation. Um, So that was really impactful. But yeah, I thought I had 100 (laughs) customers waiting with bated breath, and no. Yeah. (laughs) No. I I had two customers. (laughs) I think a lot of times um, when we sort of build our our customer base Mm -hmm. or we think we're building our customer Mm -hmm. base and we're ready to launch a product... I don't think that anyone really ever thinks that they're going to launch a product and it's not going to succeed, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody assumes that I'm going to launch this new product yeah. and everybody's going to want to buy it and then nobody buys it. Yeah. And that can be really so crushing. Yeah. So after that six months when that happened, mm-hmm. what what sort of kept you going like, you know what, I think I really can do this? My, just being stubborn. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, like if I wasn't such a prideful, stubborn asshole, I would have quit. <laughs> Seriously, like, uh, honest to God, like, I had quit a very successful career to do this, you know? I was on the track to being the CEO, like, that was my path. And I left all that to do this. And for me, it was like, six months? No, come on. Like, I can at least tough this out a year. And then even as we came up on the end of the year, I said to my husband, like, I really don't know if I can do this anymore. And he's like, no, you're not done. You don't get to cop out. He's like, I'm not done. That's what kept me afloat. My pride and my stubbornness in the beginning. And yeah. now it's just my belief in this vision because I know this is a real thing. Right. Yeah. So I truly believe that anybody can do anything that they want yes. to. And one of the things that I talk about is, you know, being able to really want to do something mm-hmm. and then start to do it. Mm-hmm. Right. I jump head first and I figure yep. things out later. Yep. That's sort of just how my personality is. Yep. But at the same time, I tell people to really know what they're getting mm-hmm. into, be prepared for what they're about to do. Mm-hmm. So especially in fashion, mm-hmm. do you think that at this point in the game, mm-hmm. it's just not enough to have cool clothes and nice fabrics? Like, do you, yes. you, you think the designers really need to have some kind of point of view yes. that's, you know? 
Yeah, I think, um, you know, take Christian Siriano, for example. Mm -hmm. He is one of the fastest growing designers. Um, he is one of the only extremely successful designers from Project Runway. When yes. you think of all the people who went through that, and he is one of the only household names. Yeah. And he's built his brand on everybody gets to wear my dresses. Right. And that's powerful. Mm -hmm. People identify with that. Um, so I do not think it's enough <laughs> to make pretty dresses. Um, slick branding doesn't even do it. You have to be about something. Mm -hmm. um, I think we live in a world where people are desperate for authenticity and they want to see that from the brands they buy things from. Um, and I think that's what people need to think about. If you're going to start a fashion brand, it just can't be pretty clothes. Yeah. Because no, they're just not going to sell. And you can't compete. Like, you can get pretty clothes from anywhere. Right. For any price, right? Yeah. So you have to have a point of view. It has to be about something bigger than you in clothing. I love it. Mm -hmm. I think what you've done is amazing, like I said. <laughs> and, you know, I know that because this is year two and you've already taken, you know, the leap into hiring, which is, I think, what most people become fearful of, mm -hmm. right? Because it's one thing, um, even for me, it was one thing if I didn't make any money because I'm right. just taking care of me, right? right? But when I hired people, mm -hmm. it was like this this load that yep. you carry, like, mm -hmm. okay, well, now I have to be, uh, you know, responsible for your livelihood. Yep. Yep. So when did that happen for you? Like, when did you take that? that first leap? So we launched in September of 2017 and I hired my first person February of 2018. Wow. Because it was so clear to me that I needed help mm -hmm. in regards of the sewing. Like, how can I be convincing people to buy my product and educating people about my brand if I'm literally stuck in my guest bedroom sewing on this crappy sewing machine? Like, right. it's just not, there aren't enough hours in the day. Yeah. Um, so I, she's still with me. I, I hired her February 3rd or something and she's coming up on our year anniversary. But yeah, that was the first thing I did. And my whole mindset was, okay, I'm terrified, but I'm going to go ahead and hire this person. And I have two weeks to make the money to pay her. You know, what was funny to me and we've spent three days together is <laughs> when we were talking about the sewing part mm -hmm. and you said, you know, it wasn't until I hired them that I realized <laughs> I how much so I didn't shit. know about sewing. <laughs> <laughs> No, like, I remember they brought me their first garments. So I was like, oh, that's what ready to wear looks like. Okay. I like, talk about that. In, total game changer. No, it's a huge game changer. And, you know, in last week's episode, mm -hmm. I talked about um, pricing. Yep. And one of the things that I talked about was that, you know, people move faster than their experience should allow them to, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And that especially if you sew for hire or mm -hmm. you do custom work or made-to-order work, mm -hmm. That garment has to look like something they can pull off a rack Absolutely. in a store. Of course. Better and than. Better than. Yes. Yeah. Especially mm -hmm. if you're charging, you know, a higher price. Right. And totally. you're a technically a no-name brand. Right, right, right. Right? right. Mm -hmm. And so being able to be very critical of mm -hmm. yourself. Yes. And say, okay, maybe I'm not that good at yeah, this. Yeah, Let yeah. me pause. Yeah. Right? <laughs> And make better better decisions yes. about what we're doing because yes. that will kill your business before you Absolutely. even get started. Absolutely. Yeah. And the customer won't even be able to like pick it out and pinpoint what's not right about the garment. Right. It'll just look and feel different. Right. And it'll look and feel like it's not the quality that they're used to. Yeah. And so it's because it's all these little mistakes. They all add up, <laughs> you know? And then when I hired these guys and I saw their work and I was just like, oh my God, this is so good. Now, granted, I am still <laughs> hypercritical and I'll be like, okay, this needs to be corrected. This one doesn't look like the original sample. Like, let's go back. But it's just a complete game changer for my business. And they're faster. Yeah. 
So right. now we've just in increased the profit margin on this piece. So that's fantastic. It's a no-brainer. <laughs> if you are not like expert level, fast, efficient sewer, hire somebody to do it for you. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I believe that motivation comes from within. Nobody mm -hmm. can motivate you to do shit. If you're that's not right. motivated, nothing I tell yep. you. And I might be able to tell you something that's going to be like, oh, I feel so motivated. Right. But, you know, 10 minutes later. It's fleeting. It's, yeah, it's not permanent. You know. Yeah. And so how do you keep yourself motivated when sales aren't, you know, because <laughs> it goes like yeah, this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it's an absolute roller co coaster. That is for sure. Um, honestly, like, I know what I'm capable of. Mm -hmm. And this isn't it. Right. And I often get asked, like, you just don't seem, like, satisfied. Like, I remember when they put the, the logo on the glass window, and I was like, that's cool. Back to work. Right. <laughs> because it's just, like, my personality. Like, I know I am capable of something big and impactful, and I can ch help change women's lives. Right. Um, so that's my motivation. That, like, knowing that the world needs changing, and I can be one of those people to make it happen. Along with it. other incredibly talented <laughs> women like yourself. Thank you. I, you know, one of the things that I'm really excited about and why we started 26 Artists uh, Productions is because, and it's very much my motto in life, mm -hmm. is that I try to give as much information mm -hmm. as I possibly can because yeah. when I wanted to do something, there was nobody mm -hmm. showing you how to do it. Yep. So I think that, you know, what we've developed with you mm -hmm. is going to be so helpful to yeah. so many people because there is nowhere you can go to get mm -hmm. a comprehensive this is how you do yeah, it, yeah. step by step. Mm -hmm. You covered everything in those courses. <laughs> I good. mean, listen, if you watch those courses and you don't start your indie brand, you just need to stop. Yeah. Like, you, you just shouldn't do it, you know, because it really was really in, you know, full of a lot of really oh, great good. information. So I'm very honored to have done it. Um, and I thank you for your time. Absolutely. So one of the things that we do is we give an actionable to-do. Okay. I like to give people homework, something okay. to think about. Okay. So if there's somebody at home right now considering starting an mm -hmm. independent fashion brand, mm -hmm. what would be their first actionable to-do? Their first actionable to-do would be to really look out into the marketplace and reflect on their own personal experience about what is the pain point in fashion for them personally, for people they know, is it around fit, is it around inclusivity, is it around sustainability, whatever it is, you really have to drill down to what is the thing people are already looking for and already asking for, and how can you be the person to deliver that? Um, I would really urge people, you can't just be a designer anymore. Right. It's just not, it's not, just enough. not, it's not enough. You have to be a designer with a point of view. So get to know yourself, get to know what your point of view is, speak up, ask folks what's going on, what do you hate about shopping, what do you love <laughs> about shopping, and how can you be a part of the solution? Amazing. Yeah. My actionable to-do is to buy her course when we uh, launch it. <laughs> <laughs> so we've reached the email segment of Business Shit, so talk your shit. And I'm going to answer two questions. If you guys have a question, you guys want me to answer it, always email me at businessshit at gmail.com. I try to get to as many of the questions as possible. One of the questions today comes from Sadie. She says, hello, Mimi. After watching your podcast on YouTube, my question is, how do you know for sure if your merchandise, the things that you sew at home, are ready to sell? I've been sewing for over 10 years, and a lot of people like my style and the way I construct my clothing. But when you said some people make things and they're not ready for selling items, mm -hmm. it made me think. You know, I think that's when you have to be really critical mm -hmm. about and honest yep. with yourself. Yep. If you can't go into your closet and mm -hmm. pull something that you've purchased mm -hmm. and match it up to what you just made mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. not know the difference, right. 
you should not be selling yeah. clothing. Yeah, I would agree. Because, and it's not that, you know, and I try not to um, say things that are going to discourage people mm -hmm. because I have a lot of people in my sewing groups that start to sew and then want to, you know, make that a side mm -hmm. hustle. And I mm -hmm. get it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I want to avoid them ruining their business right, right, right. before they've even started. Right. You know, so right. I think that's one of the key things. Be very critical. Look at your, your sewing. Mm -hmm. Look at your seams. Look at your stitching. Mm -hmm. Look at the inside mm -hmm. of your garment. Yep. You know, if it's like unfinished, does it look really nice? Is right. it, you know, properly pressed? Mm -hmm. Is it, you know, do people notice it on the street? You know, because right. there's a difference in somebody saying, oh, yeah. this is really nice. Did you make it? And then yeah. you're like, why? 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 I used to always ask <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> Why? Can you tell what it's homemade? You, right? <laughs> you know? So that's that would be my thing is yeah. to say to be very critical with your work. And if mm -hmm. you feel that it's up to par, then absolutely, mm -hmm. yeah. um, you know, continue on that journey. Mm -hmm. The second question is anonymous. Um, <laughs> she says, I enjoy your podcast. It is straightforward and real. I want to create a podcast on my own and I'm on a budget in my home. How did you develop your podcast and how do you remain organized? Um, you know, one of the things that I think people don't realize is podcast is probably the cheapest thing you can start totally. doing. Like you need a <laughs> microphone. And I think our first kit that we bought mm -hmm. was like $99 on Amazon. The first eight episodes are on like a $99 equipment go. because that's really all we needed. Yeah, Obviously yeah. now we, you know, we have multiple cameras and lighting mm -hmm. and all this mm -hmm. stuff, but it doesn't take much. And right. I think that's, that's sort of the case for a lot of things in business. Absolutely. I think people get so bogged down yes. with, oh my God, I need all of this yes. shit to yes. start. Yes. And you don't. No. You just need your idea. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And some simple things to get you started, yep. like a microphone. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to do a podcast, one, work on building that audience that's mm -hmm. going to listen. Because yep. with anything else, mm -hmm. you can start a podcast. <laughs> but if nobody knows, you ain't nobody going to listen. Okay? It's not a podcast. If nobody's it's not a podcast if nobody's listening. Okay? It's just you talking <laughs> into a microphone. Yeah. You know? And even for me, it was a completely different sort of thing. You know, everybody right. was accustomed to right. Mimi G style mm -hmm. and that sort of cleaner version. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then I started business shit and I was cussing and people were like, what the <laughs> hell? Who is this? Um, you know, but there's different levels to who right. you are and to different things. And totally. this is my platform to really give it to people straight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I, I hope it. that's what I'm doing. Yeah. And I love that that's what you did too. Because yeah. in the course, she is no nonsense, okay? She's like, <laughs> you better get love. it together. Tough love indeed. <laughs> All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. And remember that in order for your business to succeed, it has to be the shit. It has to solve a problem. It has to help people get past their current stage. It has to earn respect and build trust. Yes. Thank you, Mary Alice, so much. Thank you. I'm out. Bye-bye.